Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Finsider with the PH. This is Finsider Radio, Thursday night. I'm your host, Keith. I'll be with you for the next 45 minutes. This is one of our summer shows, so we do a little bit less time, a lot less time, actually, during these shows. Uh, my faithful, loyal co-host, Duke, is uh, running a little bit late tonight. So uh, originally, we weren't going to do a, a show tonight. Uh, I had a horrific uh, work week, and I think a lot of people are just getting ready for the 4th of July and whatnot. So uh, a lot of conflicting schedules, and we originally planned to to skip tonight, but at the last minute, figure that, I mean, you know, what the hell, why not? So uh, here we are. We'll do uh, roughly about 45 minutes. Um, we haven't really gotten the habit of uh, or been in the habit of taking calls the past few weeks, but we're looking to do that tonight. So I'm going to go ahead and chat on the air, 347-326-9461. Uh, I'm also manning the board tonight, so I'm pulling double duty. So, um while we wait for for Duke to go ahead and get in, one thing that uh, we or today a lot of uh, PED busts going on in the NFL. We saw Antonio Gates and Rolando McLean both uh, hit with suspension as a result of using performance enhancers. And uh, you know, honestly, I'm not surprised whenever this happens in the NFL. Uh, I don't I don't agree with it obviously, but I don't know if you've ever seen any of those before and after pictures of of players who, especially if they play in the trenches, guys who you'll see pictures of them during their playing career, and then there's like a, a before and that's the when they're playing, and the after picture is when they're retired or no longer involved uh, in with the NFL, and it's a drastic difference. I mean, they are just so much smaller in terms of stature. So, I mean, I mean, let's face it. You want to play in the NFL, I mean, you need a big body to do it. And, I mean, and that's why I think a lot of these guys turn to a performance in Kansas. I know some of them turn to it because of the uh, the, uh, the muscle growth that it promotes, uh, the ability to go ahead and really cut down on your body fat and uh, improve your overall physical performance as an athlete. But a lot of these guys do it just so they can be big enough to, to hold their weight, uh, you know, excuse the pun, but to, to really pack on the weight necessary to take uh, a beating or take the beatings that the NFL doles out on a daily and weekly basis. So I'm not surprised that it doesn't mean I agree with it. But I mean, whenever we see this, come through the NFL where some somebody's busted for using PEDs. You just hope it's not someone on your team. And, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody came up with some stats to say that, I mean, this uh, this hardened policy the, the league has adopted in terms of performance enhancers, if it's already affected the game, I think you're seeing a lot less in, in terms of touchdowns, uh, offensive output. Um, you're really seeing it affect stats on both sides of the ball, and I wonder if if that's due to the fact that they're starting to get these these performance enhancers, these guys using human growth hormone and whatnot, if that's starting to get weaned from the game. 
So or um looking at what else is going on here in uh, recent news. Uh really not a lot. That's why we cut these shows uh a little bit shorter during the summer. Maybe we're getting ready for uh the well, I I saw something recently that said that this is the last full month we'll we'll have without NFL football in our lives coming up here. And uh, that's an exciting thing to consider as we're going forward into a season where we're going to have a a vastly revitalized uh, defensive trench for uh, the Miami Dolphins with Sue in there. Um, And that's going to be really exciting. Trying to think. uh, I'm just going through today and, man, Yep, that's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, so uh, we always make the Wayne's World reference, and I'm starting to feel like Garth here. I need my uh, my co-host with me right now. Uh, please say this is you. Uh, Finside Radio, you're on the air. Hello. How's it going? It's going all right. This is Dawson Sands, so like not the co-host. Yeah, I pretty much figured that out by your uh, your area code and the fact that you sound nothing like him. What's going on? Uh, nothing much. Been a while. I keep missing the show because I never really get a chance to check message it. You know, the insider in the evenings. Um, so I'm always missing the show. But I've had like questions for weeks now. I mean. That, that's okay. I mean, like I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, our schedule right now is real touch and go. I mean, we'll, you'll see it ramp up considerably over the next, well, I'm not going to say the next couple of weeks, but within a month, I think you'll start to see as, as league activity really starts to pick up and we don't have to sit there. And I don't want to say manufacture uh, discussions and things to talk about, but, I mean, that's more or less what it is. So, I mean, what's on your mind? What's up? It's been a while since uh, we've had you on the air. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I guess a big a big question that's been kind of racking my mind is, you know, with the free agency next year and us not really having any cap space at all, um, out of all the big contracts, who you would think would be the first to go? I mean... Like, as far as the clear cap space. Well, I'm just thinking about it right off the top of my head. Um, trying to think of it. I, mean, I, I don't know. All, the only reason uh, I'm struggling to come up with a name right here is that I feel like this is going to be a real make-or-break year in terms of, I mean, without being the master of the obvious, I think we'll know early in this season who's going to be that first casualty. Because I think you have a couple of fringe guys right now, but there aren't there aren't necessarily uh, a group of guys or one person in particular where I look at them and think oh, that guy's definitely gone. I think that you'll see. Uh, I, I mean, they might do some retooling on the offensive line as they continue to try to build a cohesive unit there. So you never know what could happen. Uh, they've definitely got some money tied up there, so. I mean, that's always something where, I mean, they could try to get younger and less expensive. Um, 
Then, uh, I don't know, what are you thinking? And I was, I'm going to think about this while you while you go through it because I'm sure I can think of someone who... Well, two names pop up to me, and one of them is basically because of a guy that we don't really talk about. I mean, I never hear really anybody mention anything about Terrence Fede. But, I mean, this guy is pretty much minus the undrafted status on the same career path as Cameron Wade and minus the CFL. I mean, he's just that guy that nobody really talks about, but you could see, like, after watching his draft profile, which nobody really knew about until after he was drafted, and then everybody was like, yay, and then everybody was like, "Uh uh-huh shushed about him. But because of him and the salary with Cameron Waite, I do believe that with Vernon being younger, Cameron Waite being in his 30s and he had to be rested last year, I could see maybe Waite being in his last year in a Dolphins uniform. And that's just because he's over 30 uh, you started to see him need to be rested a little more last season. So, and pretty much his cap by itself at like $9 million pretty much clears all of that negative space, you know? He's a, he's a um, name that makes sense when you think about it just because in terms of your average NFL player uh, and how their numbers start to start to fall off a little bit as they get up in age. I mean, you look at Cameron Wigan, he's obviously a, a physical freak. The fact that uh, he's m- maintained the kind of output that he has, even though the fact that I think he's, uh, the, he's 34, 33. I think he's 33. Um, uh, I think he's going to be 34 this year. Okay, yeah. I, and it was somewhere on in, in that range. So, I mean, what, that's, that in today's NFL, that's up there for, uh, for a premier pass rusher. So that's something to consider. I know that the Dolphins are still comfortable having him out there as often as they do. Although one thing you touched upon that I think is important to, to note is that you're seeing that team give him more and more of a blow. I mean, it's, I mean, he, the workload for him isn't really what it has been in, in previous years. You know, they're more mindful of giving him, giving him some, some time off in terms of snap count. So, I mean, that's, and if that's a, a place they want to go, and if they think that they can, they can roll with guys like Terrence Viday and Olivier Vernon, I'm certainly confident in Olivier Vernon. I know that, I, you've been a you've been a big uh, supporter of Terrence today. I know a couple of people who come on the show have mentioned him, and they really like him a lot. So, I mean, you can't rule anything out. And I think that if you're really if you're really looking for a golden ticket in terms of flipping around your cap situation, I mean, Cameron Wake is a is an area you're going to look. Especially since he still produces a trade value. Still value to be had with him. 
God. There is a team out there that will still pay $9 million for Cameron Wake services. You know, but with Shelby, Fade, then you have guys like Emmanuel Deakey, who we signed this year, who would look good stashed on the practice squad. You know, it just kind of also adds into that youth movement. I mean, of course, we know Deion Jordan didn't move, or, you know, didn't really work out. I, I think that he was going to be option A in order to try to move weight, but that just really didn't pan out. But I think Hickey did a real awesome job, and nobody really talks about the move of drafting today in the seventh round. But you take a look at his production at Martise, and he's just that guy, you know, that you could actually see just one day blossom into a Cameron White weight type deal when you couldn't even see Cameron Wake blow up into a Cameron Wake before he changed his name to Cameron. Yeah. I remember when uh, the Dolphins landed him out of, out of the CFL, and I know that it, it was close. I know there were a couple of teams that were right there with the Dolphins in terms of competing for his services. But I remember people were, were excited about Cameron Wake just because of what he did in the CFL. I mean, they really didn't pay any mind to the fact that the, the incredible difference between a pass rusher in the, in the CFL and one in the National Football League. So, right. But it just felt cool that at the time that a guy who was just putting up video game numbers in that league wanted to play with the Dolphins. And then, of course, he, he comes to the NFL and he, he pretty much sits behind Joey Porter that entire season. Yeah. So... I mean, but, and since then, I mean, yeah, it's, that guy has just been an absolute dynamo for this team. And it didn't take long for us to figure out that that guy was going to be something special. And, and it's one of, the, if you think about it, it's one of the weirder stories to come through the NFL in, say, the past 10 years or so. The mm-hmm. fact that, I mean, like, the, the guy just couldn't even really get on with the team. I mean, he, 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 what, he worked in, in a, was he doing insurance or something? He was also a personal trainer. Yeah. And then, and then you see what he's doing now. I mean, the guy's, I mean, I'd call him the best 4-3 pass rusher in the league at this point. I understand we're running a hybrid scheme, but I mean, like, I'm confident that if you stuck him at that position, I think that his skill set and the insane motor that guy has, I, I'd be hard-pressed to put anyone above him at this point. So, I mean, it's funny to think that someone who has performed such a uh, spectacular level for this team at one point was helping people learn how to work out. <laughs> when you, you know, see his shape, just, and then you kind of understand why he was the go-to guy on that aspect. Yeah. But there is a second name um, that comes to mind, and Probably several fans are going to hate me for this, but Brent Grimes is another. I, that name crossed my mind too, but I'm, I'm glad you said because I thought about it and I was like, eh, I don't know if I can put that out there, but yeah, I can see that. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say like they take a real hard look at him next season when it comes to everything because they seem to want to be 
more trench oriented on defense and then spend the rest of it on off- offensive prowess. You know, they seem to yeah. have an identity in mind, and so they want to get that offense up and running. I mean, you got Lamar Miller, you've got Jay Ajayi, you got, you know, wide receivers up the yin yang. I mean, you can name our starting five and then still name about four more players that you could see somehow trying to stash into a spot so much that even one of our cornerbacks can play wide receiver in a pinch. You know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I've got that same feeling, speaking of that wide receiver that can play, I mean, cornerback that can play wide receiver in a pinch. I've got that same feeling about him that I had thought of signing Greg Jennings rather than Mike Wallace which I'm glad because I was a real, real, real bang the table for let's sign Greg Jennings and everybody. It seemed like everybody else was like, let's let's sign Mike Wallace. No, Greg Jennings fits the system. Sign him. But he's older. Yeah, you and I were were both in on that one, definitely. And it it just seems like we foretold that Mike Wallace was never going to pan out, and it's hard to say that he's never—he was never going to pan out when he had what 800 yards, 10 touchdowns last season. But just it seemed to miss that something between him and Tannehill, and for me, it was more the confidence between the two. He was still going to get his stats, but. It's kind of like if you would have stuck Brandon Marshall out there with Tannehill, you don't really see them bringing out that confidence. You see him really pulling a Chad Henney if Brandon Marshall was still on the team. Yeah, Just because their personalities clash. No, I agree. Something we touched upon last week, and this is whenever the, the topic of Tannehill and Mike Wallace comes up, the way I look at it, because I know people argue chemistry doesn't exist. I mean, is it a myth? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I don't even need to get into that part to explain my theory with the whole Tannehill Wall situation. It's this, that I, my belief is that in the NFL, any quarterback worth his salt, whenever an offense is in motion and he throws a ball to a receiver, the receiver thinks, i got to do everything I can to get that ball. What can I do to make sure that this passes a completion? And I felt that when Tannehill was throwing the ball to Wallace, it was the other way around, especially that deep stuff where Tannehill would think, what can I do to throw this on the money to make sure that Mike Wallace is happy? That can't, it can't be that way. That is not how, how it should work. It should be the, I mean, the weapon, the pass-catching weapon should be working to make it happen for the guys throwing the passes, not the other way around. The problem showed itself, reared its head kind of in the very beginning when Tannehill was sitting there telling him during the practices before the seasons even started, you should go half speed. And Mike Wallace was like, this is my half speed. I mean, just 
that right there, it doesn't necessarily even have to be chemistry, but a simple connection. And that's all that chemistry really is, is a connection. You go out with a girl, she could be perfect, you know, in every single way. Your friends say, oh, man, she's marvelous, blah, blah, blah. But you don't have that spark with her going to really look forward to the second date. You might actually go on it. But there will be a reluctancy there. And that's what I feel like the issue was between Tannehill and Mike Wallace. You know, kind of hey. like that Chris Brown Rihanna thing. Not that they're beating <laughs> each other up physically, but they're doing it mentally because he's like, how do I do this? And Oh, you got to do that. You know, that's just my opinion. <laughs> Uh, that, that's an insane analogy. I like it. Uh, we're joined now by uh, our my co-host Duke. What's up? How you doing tonight? Uh, pretty good. Hey, Duke. Uh, uh, Dolphin fan for life just made the comparison of Wallace and Tannehill to Chris Brown and Rihanna, and honestly, I don't disagree. <laughs> I think that it just, you could just tell early on that it wasn't going to work. And for some people, it was immediately. I know a lot of people had their doubts as soon as that that deal was made uh, or signed. Uh, uh, some people were skeptical when, as you mentioned, in training camp when, or in in uh, in early early practices when you had that whole thing with the whole half speed and whatnot. I knew that it was doomed when that after that first game when Wallace pretty much threw that fit because they didn't get him the ball enough against Cleveland. I mean, in your first game with a new team, that's just a bad look. And if you don't care that you're putting on a bad face there for your new team in front of your new fans, and then, I mean, it's just not going to work. And, frankly, I don't know that anyone can help you. So, I mean, it is what it is. But, I mean, and the important thing is, is we're we're rid of that situation. And, I mean, we're able to, in my opinion, rectify a wrong by bringing in Greg Dunning. And I understand we're two years removed from that whole free agent period where you had, you had people like, I mean, I was a, a Jennings guy. I know you were a Jennings guy. I think Duke was okay with either because I know we had conversations about both and he brought up great points about each receiver. I just liked that for the scheme fit. I thought that if you're if you're really looking for guys who are going to just murder the route, route tree in a precision uh, uh, rhythm offense, then uh, and timing offense, then you're uh, you're looking for a guy like Greg Jennings. So I mean, now we get to see. I mean, maybe there's a little bit of luster that's come off that entire thing in the two years since that that free agent period. But I'm still willing to give it a chance. I think I don't see it hurting us in any way, and I don't and I don't see it hurting Ryan Tannehill in any way. And I think that's important. Did you say there was a topic that was on your mind? Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the supplemental draft and um, the Clemson offensive tackle. Uh, I think it's Isaiah Battle, who's going to be entering the, the uh, supplemental draft. And I know there's some posts on the side about um, whether or not the Dolphins should should uh, go after this guy. And he's got some off-field off issues, clearly, because he's in the supplemental draft, and that's the reason why I'm in that draft and not going back to school. But the um, 
I, I was working on a post uh, last week, I believe. I just haven't got back around to it, but it was kind of looking at not necessarily a depth chart, but like a, in a sense, a futures kind of depth chart. It's like, where does my entire areas need going into the next offseason? You, you've got what you've got right now. But in my opinion, for 2016, you know, a lot of people talk about linebacker or cornerback positions, but you've got some young guys there that could step up. It doesn't mean they're not positions of need, but you just have a lot of unknowns. Miami has nothing at left tackle. And and if Brandon Albert gets hurt again or something else, then Miami's kind of up the creek. I mean, we saw that Jordan James kind of struggled there. He might improve there, but I think you're looking at that being a position that Miami should address in the 2016 draft early on. Um, and I've, been, I've already kind of been looking at some prospects and as, you know, as soon as I can, I'm going to watch a little film on them when I can't, when I, what I can find available. But this Isaiah Battle guy seems intriguing to me just because he, he's a guy. Number one, you're probably not going to lose a a really high pick on him. You'll probably submit a fifth or something and get him. And I think if you get that guy, he's a developmental guy that if he doesn't work out, you know, no big deal. He's a fifth round pick. He does. Then you've got some depth to that left tackle position. And I think, for at least for me, when Miami was chasing Lael Collins, the, the big deal was not that he was going to automatically fill in at guard, but that he was a potential left tackle for the future. So you bring him in, he starts now at left guard, you can move him to left tackle. That's just It's a, it's a position of concern with me because, number one, Albert's health. And uh, if, if there's a if there's a money crunch, I mean, I don't think he's going to be the first guy to go, but... He's uh, not. They're going to get rid of him. They're going to get rid of him the year after when his cap hits only $3.2 million. If you get rid of him next year, he hits for 5.4, I believe. Yeah, so I don't see probably, that happening. I mean, they, you bring that guy in to be a... a he's brought in for, for leadership, and, and the guy's a good player. It's just I'm just concerned about not only the depth there, but the future there, I just don't see. I, I just don't if, see the Dolphins having having a contingency plan. For, let's say, for example, let's say Brandon Albert decided to retire tomorrow. What do you do? Um, I mean, if if Brent Grimes decided to retire tomorrow, would that be bad? Yes, but you've got a contingency plan. So, well, we've got Jamar Taylor, we've got Will Davis, we've got some of these young bucks. We can throw some guys out there. They may not be great, but they've got a chance. There's just, there's nothing on there's nothing on the roster right now that's a left tackle, and that just that just concerns me. I believe Billy Turner could do it. I don't believe the team will let Billy Turner do it. So, you know, for me, I, I'm also trying to get this Isaiah Battle guy, or at least put a bid in for him, just just to see. I mean, I mean, Cleveland will probably get round pick him for or something. A third. I'm sorry. Cleveland will probably bid a third. And I, I watched game tape on him, and I did a little bit of a, a study on him when the initial when he first declared for the supplemental draft, and um, and well, first off, it's ironic because you and I were pretty much creating the same post. Um, I ended up switching phone companies before that so I couldn't finish my post um but 
battle, his issue is that he's all upper body strength, no finesse whatsoever. However, his lower body strength is also not that great. So you've already got two knocks against him. You don't have the quickness, the agility, the hips. You know, he he relies too much on that upper body brute strength, and that'll do good. But we'll end up with Richie Incognito at the left tackle position, which will further well, I mean, dampen our left guard spot. I was going to say not only that, but, I mean, if he's top-heavy like that, I mean, he's just – I don't know if you could find a more susceptible person to a bull rush than a guy who just doesn't have the the bolt down low to anchor. That's going to be a problem. And, see, that's, that's the reason why I would be uh, interested in getting this guy is because you can pretty much – he's pretty much a 2016 draft pick that you get a year early. So redshirt him uh, – you know, let him practice, uh, let him develop a little bit, get him in your system, show him what it is you want him to do, and, you know, then kind of unleash him. I mean, I, at this point, I, I'm not worried about the guard position. I'm just looking at that left tackle position because, you know, there have been reports about Albert not looking healthy and depends on who you read or who you follow on Twitter, if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Some people are saying it's not a big deal. Some are saying it's a really big deal. So we won't really know. But as much time as it feels like between now and training camp and when now the season begins, it feels like a long time. But for his recovery, it's not that long of a time. It's going to get here very quick. And, I mean, I know we go up against the Jaguars and the Redskins the first two weeks. And they're not – they don't have elite pass rushes. But – you know, if if he's going to miss a significant amount of time, you're going to be facing the Bills and the Jets in there. You've got J.J. Watt coming into town at some point. You're going to have to have your offensive line at full strength. Um, I am fully confident that Billy Turner is going to hold down the right guard. Left guard spot's a little more troublesome, but, you know, I, I'm okay with what they've got there right now. Um, let's see what happens in training camp when the pads come on. But if Brandon Albert's not ready to go, I'm just not confident enough, I guess, in Jason Fox to be the uh, to, to lock down that spot. Um, and I don't know that Miami's going to be in a position to get a good left tackle uh, in the draft. And if this guy's got a chance that you can develop him into develop him into something, then you, know, you should go for it. I don't know that. Cleveland would give up a lot for them. I think they're pretty pretty well set on their offensive line. Uh, I read today that Atlanta's pretty hot on him, so um, and they have all kinds of needs on their offensive line that he would probably come in and start. So um, they may bid a little higher than what, what Miami would, and Miami may not even bid. But um, that's just to me. That's my number one position is concerned. Uh, as long as no, I not that. It's not a position. It's not a concern. If it's whenever you just, whenever he's not on the field or whenever they decide to move on from him, it's going to be a concern. And I'd rather, in my opinion, that's the number one draft need point in the next year. That could change depending on how the season goes. I mean, the cornerback position may be worse than we expect. Same thing with the linebackers. Um, 
But right now, I, if I'm Miami, I'm looking at any and every available left tackle that's in this draft, including Isaiah Battle. Well, here's my question. Have you looked at at any of the 2016 tackle prospects? Have you gotten a good look at, at I've anyone? seen the names. I've, I've, I've read names and some some uh, uh, descriptions and, like, scouting reports. I've not actually watched any of them. The guy from Oregon is a guy to keep an eye on. Um, he's coming back off of he, – he injured himself. I keep forgetting if he's the one that injured himself, not last year, but the year before, or if it's the other top tackle prospect. But both of those are zone-blocking scheme tackle. I'd rather wait, save that draft pick, use it on one of them, and then let them sit a year behind Albert rather than let waste the draft this year. Try to redshirt the guy. Okay, regardless, if you redshirt him, he's going to have to play because Albert, it seems like every year something happens. And right now he's not even ready, so the guy that you get this year is going to have to play. On top of that, the only reason why I'm comfortable with Jason Fox starting is because he has the experience, and I see us building. I'm more confident in the guy that we got, Jameel Douglas, than a lot of people because a lot of people see his scouting report and they they look at one specific aspect. But you put a guy like like Battle next to him, that has a greater chance of ruining Jameel Douglas's performance than it does, you know, setting Jason Fox there. Because, okay, Jason Fox isn't going to be great, but at corner, who do you really think if Brent Grimes goes down is going to come in and just be like, whoa, we don't need a corner next year? You know, if you know, Misi goes down, okay, we've got Shepard there. First off, I'm higher on Shepard than I am Misi anyways, but you have all the these contingency plans in place and I look at battle and I don't see that okay, you set him this year, he's gonna be great next year because he spent his entire college career playing top heavy. That's not something I don't care how good our offensive line coach is. You know, that that guy has been key on turning turds into superstars. But certain things you can't just do overnight. And changing a guy from a lumpy top heavy prospect into a zone blocking scheme left tackle, especially when he's gonna have to play this season, is just not that case. You know, especially when you gotta worry about getting two guards up and running. You gotta worry well, about whether there's any backlash from the pouncy moving the guard last year. And then on top of that you've got a second year player in Juwan James. You know, the best way to deal with that is you've got to just work on getting the ball out quicker and watch what they did with getting all these possession receivers. That's how you solve the left tackle position. 
for right well, now until you can find that product. That, let's say, let's just all agree right now that, uh, or let's suppose that the Dolphins don't put in, um, they don't submit uh, a pick to this to supplemental draft. It doesn't it doesn't work out. So are we all in agreement that we go into next year's draft and offensive tackle, if it's not the number one need on the list, it's way up there? Yeah, yes. it's a top it's a top three need. Um, okay, and see that's, that's what see that's the thing is you don't really have you don't I mean you've got Juwan James uh, as a young guy you've got some young guards and in other positions of need such as cornerback or linebacker you've got some young guys that are, you've drafted same thing for safety there's just there's just not anything in the way of offensive tackle that they drafted outside of Billy Turner that, that in my opinion, could play that position at an adequate level. I mean, for all we know, Tony Lippett could be the next Richard Sherman. You know, that I know that's a, a lot of projecting, but you've got some guys that have potential. I just don't see any potential anywhere on the, on the, the Dolphins roster at left tackle. So that's what, I, that's what I was – that's what I'm thinking of is you've got – you need to have a, you know, even if you don't spend a high pick on one, just have a guy that you feel comfortable, all right, I want this guy to be a starting left tackle and he can play left tackle. And, you know, if he comes in for six games or two games, you know, for Albert, that's fine. If he has to start the season and play all 16 games, that's fine. Um, I just don't see anybody on that roster right now that I would feel comfortable with moving forward into the future. Whereas if other no, positions, I, I you, have some, you have some guys that you can that you, you can say, well, we've got potential there. I'd like to at least try these guys before drafting a replacement. Yeah. Well, if you, I've looked, I've, I've spent some time looking at uh, offensive tackles. I want to say it's probably about a month ago. Um, I think that right now the number one guy in a lot of people's minds is Stanley from Notre Dame. I think that he's going to continue to get a lot. I mean, there's a lot of people who thought he would have been the first offensive tackle selected in this draft had he declared. Uh, I'm more into uh, – I think that there are a couple of guys available in this draft. I think they're a little bit lighter on their feet. Uh, one of them – and I, this guy's probably going to be a high pick, too. This could end up being a pipe dream in terms of us having any chance of getting him. But I don't know if you've seen uh, Tunsil from Ole Miss. Uh, I think he's going to be a, a – big tackle prospect. Uh, I like Conklin from Michigan State. And I think, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think the guy that uh, Dolphin Fan for Life was referencing is uh, Tyler Johnstone. Yeah, Tyler Johnstone, that's it. I, I was a big, I was a, you know, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm cool with Jordan Phillips, but the very next pick was Jake Fisher, and I really wanted the Dolphins to draft him. We'd even talked about that on podcasts is potentially a first-round pick as a sleeper uh, for the Dolphins. And he was there in the second round, and I I really wanted him simply because I thought he was a plug-and-play left guard and he could he, he could move to left tackle at some point. Um, of, of those names that you mentioned, the guy that just through looking at the names, I was looking at that Conklin from Michigan State, and I thought he just has a good-sounding left tackle name. Like... <laughs> They just when, when I first read the name, I thought he belongs on the Hogs, you know. Um, 
Yeah, and that that was my first thought. I said, yeah, let's go get this guy. He just sounds like the kind of guy that would, you know, have a big have a big beard and just destroy defensive ends all day long. Yeah, he's about. I think he's uh, he's probably like six six. I want to say he's a little over three hundred. So I mean, like I think he's got the he's got the feet to work in a in a, a zone blocking scheme. I think that there are some tackle prospects coming out who are are really good, but a little bit heavier. I got I, there's Decker from Ohio State. I think that uh, he's a little bit bulkier. He's a bigger dude too. I think he's about six seven, so he's enormous. Um, I forget how Paul Stanley is. I think he's only about six five, which it sounds weird to say like only, but I think he he comes in. Right, I mean, like three fifteen is fine in a zone blocking scheme, but I think like if if memory serves me correctly, I don't know if Johnstone's even three hundred pounds. I thought he was playing he in the high two hundreds. He's two ninety right now, um, but okay. that is um, he spent some time out because of a leg injury. Yeah, and I mean, um, he's expected to come back. But the year before he played at three oh five, so I mean that's weight that he could put back on easily. Yeah, and um, it's not a deal breaker in the zone blocking scheme anyway. If a guy's playing if he's hovering around three hundred pounds, I mean I can hang with that. There was I mean, the lightest I saw him was at two eighty five. That's the lightest, but the last time I, I when I was doing my research for the post which I, I thought it was funny. Duke said that he was writing one, and I was in the middle of writing one, too. And then I was just like, you know what? I need to get out from AT&T. So I went and I switched, and like now I'm paying a tenth of what I was paying. I was paying $500 a month on my phone bill, and now I'm paying 50 so I'm happy about that. But yeah, I'd say that was probably I, a wise financial decision on your part. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Johnston and uh, the guy from Ole Miss were two that's that stuck out to me. And the only other position I saw, which nobody really talks about, is free safety. They have at least three free safes coming out next year with a first-round grade. And which it is was either hardly ever the case anymore, so that's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. But, I think Miami's you know, good free safety. It, in my opinion, and I may be higher on the backups than a lot of people, but um, I mean, I like Cedric Thompson's work ethic, but they have a couple of them, uh, a couple of safeties that kind of flip flop between cornerback and safety. And I know we think Jason Allen with this, but there's. Um, there's a couple of them that are hybrid, you know, cornerback safeties, 6'2", 205 pounds, that I just, I put on the tape of them and I, I fell in love with, but then I put on the tape of Johnston and I was like, this needs to be our guy, you know, because, well, Oregon, you kind of don't get more mobile than that as far as, like, offensive line goes. And I was thinking left tackle, safety, and forgive me for saying this, but I even had a wide receiver on our list of prospects. But that's because 
basically he's six two, runs great routes, catches everything, and I just I don't know for some odd reason I said okay this guy could be another prospect, you know for for this draft first round needs to go to either safety or left tackle so I agree with you but I wouldn't waste a draft pick on battle. I'm not. Well, we got about we got about twenty seconds left. Just bear that in mind because it's a forty-five minute show. So, um, uh, can we continue this conversation next week, hopefully? Yeah. Sure. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, this has been a short show, but hopefully, you guys enjoy tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Okay. Good night. Good night. Are you guys still there? It's time to answer the call, little buddy. I'm talking about big beef, dislocate your jaw kind of wide. This, that, charbroiled unicorn boy, bacon, big pig, slab, cut thick, sizzling for shizzling on velvet sheets of ooey gooey. Ooh, a wild, wild western bacon cheeseburger. Carl Jr. I'm calling your name. Pick up. Hello. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.